Welcome to Echo This, where we are empowering conversations of hope and opportunity. I'm your moderator, Lisa Jones. And today's episode is Blossoming Together, Growing Healthier Conversations. In this episode, we're diving into the vibrant garden of communication, exploring the seeds of dialogue that when nurtured, bloom into healthier and more meaningful connections. So get ready for a bouquet of insights, laughter, and a few surprises as we cultivate the art of conversation together. Grab a virtual watering can, sprinkle some curiosity, and let's witness our conversations flourish and bloom. It is now my pleasure to introduce our ECHO members. Amy, let's start with you. Hi, I'm Amy Weishaus, and I am a lifelong educator and learner. I come to this platform with a very fervent belief that each one of us has within us the power to create lasting joy. Thank you, Amy. How about you, Debbie? Hi, I'm Debbie Wimberly. I'm an educator, a speaker, and I actually um, curate a monthly newsletter to educate about the benefits of medical cannabis and introduce you to your endocannabinoid system. Well, thank you, Debbie. Welcome, both of you. And I am Lisa Jones, a speaker, consultant, and author that leverages the power of humor, gamification, and play as fuel to enhance collaboration, increase engagement, and maximize productivity. Each of our episodes feature several segments, but our first segment today is Echoing the Hope. Let's discuss our Echoing the Hope question. Are you ready, ladies? Ready. <laughs> okay, in the Garden of Communication, how can we plant the seeds of hope within our conversations to ensure they grow into flourishing dialogues that nurture understanding and connections? What are your thoughts? We'll start with Amy. Well, in order to plant seeds of hope, my first image is that we need something good to plant them in. We need a fertile soil. So think about when you're having any kind of conversation. I believe we have to have in our mind some kind of idea of goals. What are our goals? What is our purpose? It could be the teenager asking for the car keys. It could be um, your partner saying, uh, you need to share more in our, our household activities, sharing the balance of the workload. It could be the CEO trying to persuade and maybe, you know, say to his employees, you know, this, this is something new and we need to be on board with this. So each of these scenarios, it, it assumes that we're going to have some kind of meaningful dialogue. And I think when people start with that and the expectation that there's going to be a mutual solution, something that everybody can agree with, I think that's a very important starting point. So when you achieve this, okay, you have fertile soil in a mindset, basically, coming together for a purpose, a goal. And then I think it's very important to have a tool. And that tool is clarification. So how do you get clarification? You ask questions. And it is so important when you ask questions that you could delve even deeper into the person, his motivations, and all the aspects of coming out so that this conversation is worth its, its time and effort. So I believe that that is so, so important. 
Um, there's a, a famous quote by George Bernard Shaw, and it's something to the effect that um, I have to read it. I don't want to miss it because it's very, very astute. The single biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it has taken place. So when you think about that a little bit, we have to work even harder to, to get the hope that can only come from fertile soil, preparation, mindset, and an agreement on what, what was this all about. So the final thing I think that's really important for hope is to summarize what was decided to summarize what the outcome was from the discussion so people can move forward with clarity. So without clarity, without questions, without a fertile mindset, no hope. But I think we have the antidote to it. Yes, I love that, Amy. And specifically each of the scenarios that you mentioned and then the tool that you're giving, which is so, so important as the clarification because I know I'm guilty of this having the conversations and then if you don't write it down or if it's not like cemented with some type of summary, then the next time it's like, Oh, did you, and you, you're telling your, your friend or your significant other, Oh, we, I told you about this two days ago. And they're like, I don't remember. Like you didn't have that cementing mm -hmm. summary of it and it didn't cement in their mind or they were busy multitasking, doing something else. So, so, so important. And Debbie, how about you? What are your thoughts? Uh I think that this is a really important conversation that we're having here <clears throat> because just like a gardener, your experience in gardening, you have to understand the plants, the vegetables that you're going to grow, what the seeds are. And within that, you hope that they're going to grow and flourish. But much like plants are very unique, just as we are as individuals. So, you know, my experience as a gardener taught me how to look at each plant, see that it's an individual plant. Uh, what can it produce? What is it going to bring to, you know, my growth in my garden? And that's the way I look at conversations that we have. And we need to have diverse perspectives in these experiences. And to foster dialogues, it's essential to create a space where each voice is essential, heard and understood. Just as I've learned to take, take care of different plants, acknowledging and respecting the nuances of each person's viewpoint can contribute to a harmonious and thriving exchange. Nurturing and understanding that connection involves providing the right environment for ideas to root, grow, and ultimately blossom into meaningful and fruitful conversations. So, Choosing the right conversations, getting involved in the right conversations, or being open to new conversations. You need to take and care for those seeds that you're planting and carefully and examining each one of them and see how they can communicate effectively, like within your health, which demands keeping an understanding of information. Examining fruits and vegetables involves considering factors like ripeness and quality, similar to health communication. Eval evaluating the re reliability and credibility of information to ensure a foundation of trust. We don't trust the medical system as much today as I think we should. And I think that's because we aren't building a meaningful relationship and conversation with our doctors. We're ran in and out so often. And even with our friends, we don't take the time to explore and explain what's going on with us or what's happening with us. And that's how we learn. So fostering these 
and growing these conversations, we all learn from them. So I think it's really important to harvest and be well-informed, make decisions promoting better health comes for individuals and for communities. Yeah, so, so true. And, and that analogy that you have is really great because like just like the plan is individual, so are people. And so are each medical case. So that's a great example that you brought up. So thank you for sharing that. And I as well went with an analogy too. And mine is really in the whimsical garden of gab. Planting hope is like sprinkling fairy dust on the seeds of conversation, right? So the first thing that you're doing is you're really grabbing that trusty watering can that we started the episode with. You fill it with some optimism. You sprinkle a dash of humor for good measure. And then, of course, we let the sunlight of genuine curiosity beam down. And that's kind of what, to Debbie's point, then you watch as the buds of understanding bloom and the, the vines of the connection, they really start to, to swing from branch to branch in, in a conversational jungle gym, if you will. So remembering that the secret ingredient is a pinch of playfulness, because in this garden, I look at it as laughter is the fertilizer that makes these conversations flourish into a vibrant, interconnected Eden. So I think that that's some really great information that, that both Amy and Debbie shared. So thank you. So I want to I wanna kind of just go back and talk about the lesson from this garden, because just like in nature, conversations need care, attention, and that's what you both are saying, and a touch of magic. So if we sow the seeds of hope, we tend to our conversational plot with a spirit of playfulness. This is where we can embrace the unexpected weeds, right? There's weeds that grow in a garden. We don't want them, knowing they might be the quirks that make your garden unique in this blooming tapestry of connection. Remember, the more you water with kindness, just like a conversation, the more your conversational garden thrives. So happy gardening. I want to now move on to our second segment, and that is echoing the opportunity. And I want to discuss, I have a question for each of you. And I do want to start with Debbie and talk a little bit about in the fertile soil of well-being, how can conversations be sown with opportunities to nurture a flourishing garden of health, fostering habits, and opportunities to connections that bloom with vitality. What are your thoughts on that, Debbie? Well, I think that at first you just need to identify what seeds need you what seeds you need to grow. And that's with the knowledge and understanding and planting them through educational conversations. Just as a gardener selects seeds based on the gardener's needs, tailoring health information to the individual and initiates growth. This informational seeds once sown can sprout into habits as individuals cultivate a deeper understanding of their well-being. Watering these conversations is very with supportive dialogue and encouragement is crucial. Like a gardener tends to plants with care, positive reinforcement, and guidance can help habits take root and thrive. When I was a gardener, I took very good attention to each row of seeds that I planted and making sure that I took care out anything that would interfere. And then you have to tend to it on a regular basis. So you're out there on your hands and knees, you know, pulling out the weeds, as Lisa said, and trying to make sure that you're giving them the room and space to grow, to breathe understand and survive and that's the way I look at uh, conversations and how we can foster them is by tending to them I think how often we 
have conversations like Lisa said with someone and they don't recall a conversation we had two days ago. And I think that's where we have to learn to be engaged and help them be engaged. And sometimes it's just as little as coming back and saying, did you hear what I said? Or did you hear when I said da, 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 da within that conversation before you leave it? Because that leaves a mental memory for them to maybe hang on to it the next time you bring it up. Yes, so, so true. And my ears perked up when you said educational conversation, because that kind of puts it in a different perspective in my mind. It's that that intention that you said to have this, like, that's what you're going to do in this conversation. It's not just going to be like, we're having a conversation. No, it's an educational conversation. And I think that makes that more impactful, what you're saying. Well, think about it. We all grow by planting seeds of knowledge. And we water them with positive dialogue. And then we foster connections, conversations so that the well-being soul can flourish into a vibrant garden of quality health, quality relationships, quality friendships. This approach promotes the growth of habits and connections that bloom with vitality, contributing to the overall well-being of individuals and our community. Yes. Yeah, so true. Thank you for sharing. I do want to go to Amy because she's our joy expert. And amidst the jubilant conversations that you have, how can we transform the fertile ground of dialogue into an opportunity-rich landscape where every interaction is a chance to cultivate joy and shared positivity? Amy, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, um, Every conversation we have is an opportunity for growth, for discovery, for hope. It, it, it's an open door. And the magic is that we don't even know where the door is going to lead us. So when you talk about joy, uh, how many times do we overlook people who are right next to us? You know, that might be the person in the carpool. It could be the person we wake up with every morning. It could be um, you know, even in an abstract sense, it, it could be an icon that we follow in society, or it could be um, a, a business person, a co-worker with whom we encounter different dialogues, you know, routine dialogues on the workplace that are necessary. But what we really need to do is we really need to start having an empathetic eye, an empathetic heart. And we have to look to the people around us and really get to know who they are and where they're coming from. And when we do that, the joy is endless because we're unexpectedly discovering things that we might never have even anticipated. And those shared moments, those create everything we're looking for, everything we're touching on in this conversation today. And I believe that when we acknowledge these people, find something in common, it's going to happen, acknowledge them. It's important that everybody, even though we talk about empowering other people, it's important that they, every, every listener here, start a conversation with the, 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 the belief, a very strong belief, I am worthy, I'm somebody important, and even though I may be a little timid approaching this subject or having this dialogue with whomever, and sometimes having them with our closest family and friends are the most difficult. But it's the belief that I'm here to contribute as well. 
in my own way, in my own presence, I'm here to contribute. I think that brings um, a, an icebreaker to the conversation right away and a hopeful beat because the person wants to contribute and is open to questions and even asking a lot of questions. When someone asks me a question, I feel joy because there's an interest, there's a curiosity, there's a pathway. Somebody's noticing me and wants to engage with me. Debbie said that word engaging. Engagement is so important. So we can't come like an inanimate object or somebody there just waiting to be elevated. We have to bring our own inner joy, as small as that little voice might be in us, courageously to say, I'm here to contribute. I'm here to find out about everybody. And just understand the sacredness and the joy in the very moment of having this opportunity to speak with other people. That in itself is a miracle. Yes, that's so true. And you bring up such a fantastic point, Amy. And it made me think of when I go outside twice a day, I go for, for short little walks and people just drive up and down the street and I'll wave at them. And I got to tell you, half the people do not wave back. And that's kind of to your point of like somebody right next to you or somebody close to you. It's like, how hard is it to just put your hand up and wave back? And if they just opened it up, you never know, like about that neighbor down the street, like, and some of them wave and I've gotten to know some of the neighbors, but not all of them. And it would be nice if they would just <laughs> wave back. So you bring up a really po good point of like, we're, we're so busy with what we do. We're not paying, paying attention to the closest people that are around us, the people that we can reach out and touch. So Thank you for sharing that. And when I was asking you your questions, I thought of one for myself because I thought like, how can the playful spirit be harnessed to create opportunity and transform every interaction into really a game of possibility? And if I could share with listeners the secret maneuvers to turn the soil of dialogue into this playground of endless growth of the connections, what would I say? And of course I would come back and say it's a vibrant playground of conversation and if you think of planting the seeds of opportunity like setting up a game of hopscotch we all remember hopscotch right it was like one of my favorite games in grade school but each square represents a chance to leap into new possibilities so you hop on curiosity you can skip on creativity and then you can do a little jig on shared laughter but really if you think about the lesson here it's just like in hopscotch. Sometimes you need to embrace a bit of imbalance to reach the exciting, the exciting double-digit squares where you're meeting new people, to Amy's point, to, to hop on into the dance of dialogue with a skip in your step. And you let the game of opportunities unfold in these delightful leaps and bounds. So if you think about it like that, I think it changes. It really changes how, how you look at it to both of your points. And, and Debbie, I just want to go to you for your thoughts. Well, I think that we can all learn from this. And I think this, what you both said is really important. But I think always be curious, be curiouser and curiouser. You know, when I enter into a conversation, I try to be curious about them. I'm not thinking about myself and what I'm going to add to this conversation. I want to learn about each person that I meet and know more about them by the time I end. And it, when you start learning about them, it opens up conversation and allows it to grow. So just always be curious about the other person. Yes. Yeah, so true. <laughs> Any of my neighbors are listening. Why aren't you more curious? I don't know. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I bring up a good point. <laughs> All right, let's move into our third segment, segment, and that is echoing the laughter. And echoing the laughter question, I do want to start with, with Amy. Let's start with Amy. So in the blossoming landscape of our conversation garden, how can the echoes of laughter become a magnetic force, drawing in opportunities for shared merriment and a lighthearted dance of connection? Amy, paint for us the portrait of a conversation where laughter isn't just a moment, but it's a gateway to endless delightful possibilities. What would you say? Well, first of all, who doesn't love to laugh? And I know I'm, I'll bet that many of us wish we, we, we had reason to laugh more often and that we could laugh more often. And how many times do we say, wow, I needed that laugh? Or boy, was that a good laugh? It is a form of release, a form of connection and solidarity and joy right there. So not all of us have the uh, personality where we're the class clown or, you know, it just comes to us naturally. Some people say, I'm not funny. And yet the joy comes from believing that you can be and you are. So I believe in shared experiences and the laughter for many of us is going to evolve just in our natural organic groups. The, um, the parents of the kids that we wait outside in the carpool for, you know, the, the people at work, some embarrassing or funny things are going to happen inevitably. But I believe we can create opportunities, watch a comedy movie together, talk, talk to each other in a focused conversation what makes you laugh? What makes you happy? And really focus on it, allowing it to, I'm sure in the, in the course of just initiating this conversation, people are going to say, oh, I can top that. This is what happened to me. Or create a date, like I said, where you're watching a comedy together or you're watching whose favorite movie. You know, I'm sure there are movies we all say, you've got to see this, you've got to see this scene. And just by sharing comedy on purpose, I believe we're going to generate more and more laughter, bonding, desire to come together again and again and again. Laughter has been proven to be beneficial to the body. It's healthy. Uh, we're around children, and laughter for them is really no problem. They'll laugh at almost anything, and sometimes at the wrong things. You know, there's selective laughter. Um, but we can look at the children and try to capture the inner child inside us. And we can say, that little child there was giggling and laughing, and it's in me. It's in me. So why don't I just let that little child out for now? And it's so magical. So um, I just... Um, happened to see the movie Barbie. And it's months after it came out, but I just happened to see it. And it was interesting to see just how imaginative it all was with a very strong message for young people to be unique, as Debbie says, to be themselves. Very strong message there. And I think in being ourselves, we also also have to mine and delve into what is funny, what is funny, what makes us laugh, and to expose ourselves to more of the same. 
So it's a universal leveler. It's a universal joy. I'm all for laughter. Yes. Thank you, Amy. Well, it's definitely universal, but it does sound like there's a theme of individuality in it. Like what's funny for one person may not be funny for the next person. So some really great points there. And I loved your use of the word focused conversations. Yes. Debbie, what are your thoughts? Oh, I envision laughter as a magnetic force. Um, somebody that's lived in chronic health and illness, sometimes laughter is really hard to find. And sometimes it's really hard to allow yourself to do that. And you have to, one of the things Amy says is create the opportunity. You have to allow the opportunity as well. It's not just create it. And when you're when someone's lived, and you may know someone that's lived in chronic illness or chronic pain, having a serious medical condition right now that they're going through, it's sometimes really hard to break through and share with them and have laughter. So you have to be outside of the norm and sometimes do stuff that is extreme to try to bring that out because they need laughter more than anything because it's a powerful catalyst drawing in opportunities for fostering lighthearted dance of connection and laughter serves us in such a way if you think about a garden you know all of the the seeds that you've sown in the garden are just like us as individuals and they rely on the water the soil uh, the sunshine everything that comes in so when somebody's living in chronic illness they need all of the surroundings around them to bring in that laughter they need that support they need to be lifted up you know sometimes you stake a plant in the garden to hold it up and sometimes we need to be held up but then finding that you can walk through that and come on the other side and develop a much healthier life as i have the laughter becomes more for, more optional and open to you because you actually are ready to become engaged in a much different way because you've come through that, but it's because of all the people that have supported you along the way. Yeah. So it's such a wonderful addition. I wrote down create and allow the opportunity for laughter because there's probably some people listening in a similar situation that experienced as you Debbie, like maybe they're having a chronic health condition and they're, they're like, I can't laugh. How can I laugh? So I think it's a matter of like saying, okay, it's okay for me to laugh. And here's what I'm going to do to curate that. So thank you for, for sharing that part. Well, even having... so, you know, maybe you don't outright laugh like huge. Cause I, I can know there's been times with me and my husband when he will try to make me laugh and he'll say something that he thinks is extremely funny. And then I'm not in the mood or I just don't feel it. And I just kind of, ha ha. But at least I tried to put something in and then he comes back with a comment and then he's like, we well, didn't find that very funny. And then it starts a conversation. And then by the end, we, by the time we get through with that conversation, I'm laughing. So, you know, even if you don't feel it, allow yourself to give a little, uh -huh, a little, little peck of what might be a laugh and see where that takes you. Yes. Yeah. Such a good point. And I, you just reminded me of back when I, came out of brain surgery and they had like the, the staples in my head and every movement it felt like like if I moved I felt like I was like kind of like I felt like it was stretching it so if I laugh that caused like more I don't want to say pressure but it felt like if I laugh if I laugh now is it going to like burst open one of my staples it flies out of my head no it, it wasn't but like at the same time it was kind of like can I laugh is it like you're asking yourself is it okay I don't want to hurt anything so yeah 
Well, and there's times when, like, if you have broken ribs or something and somebody makes you laugh and you really have a belly laugh and you don't want to laugh and you're sitting there holding your sides, don't make me laugh. This hurts too much. But it still feels yeah. really good. Yes. <laughs> so it's okay to laugh, like, even if you have to, hee, hee, hee. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so for me, I did another analogy here. I was thinking of another analogy, and it was really thinking of the conversation garden as this dance dance floor so if you think about it, if you're picturing a dance floor and then laughter it's the really the irresistible rhythm that gets everyone grooving right so if you imagine every chuckle as a sparkly invitation and soon the entire garden joins in in a laughter waltz <laughs> and really if you think about the lesson the laugh the laughter isn't just a giggle it's the dj of joy it's spinning tracks that makes every step in our conversation dance a delightful adventure and i say let the laughter echo sway with the beats of connection and waltz into a world where joy is the key that unlocks doors to endless delightful possibilities so if you think about a conversation that you have you go into an office environment and you see bob and bob just says hi to you right but if you see somebody else and sally has a joke for you every morning who do you think you get look look forward to talking to sally because bob's just like like he doesn't want to be there he doesn't want to talk to you just moving on with his day so the person that's creating the laughter that's who we're we're drawn to that's who the deeper connection forms with so thank you both for indulging the laughter segment. And I wanna I wanna move on to our fourth segment. And it's one of my favorite segments because I'm a big fan of enigmas and it's echoing the enigma. And our question for today is within the blossoming landscape of our conversation garden, how can the element of mystery and intrigue akin to an enigma <laughs> be woven into our dialogue creating opportunities for curiosity and discovery. So if you unravel for us the secrets of turning conversations into a captivating enigma that leaves everyone eager for the next delightful clue, don't we all want to do that? Yes. So I will start with Amy because I know she wants to share her wisdom with us now. <laughs> well, you know, enigma is one of those words <laughs> that, that stumbles a lot of people. Um, and, you know, the enigma is that little mystery or offbeat thing or, or maybe darkness within a situation or personality. And I feel that in discovering joy, which is what you're, you're looking for, you know, through the, the mystique and the intrigue, again, how do we know it's there right in front of us, right under our noses? And it's there to help us grow, learn, and transform. So I'd like to come back to the idea of, you know, the people closest to us, the person sitting next to us in so many different uh, scenes throughout our day. Right now, think of an average day and the number of people you interact with, the number of people. Uh, it could be online at the supermarket, and some of us do engage with those people. Some of us don't and some of them engage with us. Um, it could be anywhere. So think about your daily actions and think about where there might have been an opportunity to make a connection with somebody through a very, very innocent or a very complimentary remark. Now, the thing is that you never know that the missed opportunity 
and the you may be uncomfortable and that's why there's a missed opportunity because society programs us not to talk to the stranger but that stranger might become your one your one there's a motivational speaker in my community who capitalizes on this concept the one the one could become your business mentor it could be finding a soulmate the one is the person that one person who's going to be a tremendous link to your future goals and happiness and joy so that one may be under our noses as i'm saying in all these encounters every day so a part of the enigma is we want to be private we want to be safe today we want to be secure we we would we would programmed as children don't talk to strangers and of course don't take candy from strangers well the candy that these strangers might have if we use our discretion that candy is endless joy and when we start making these contacts and i've been known to create friendships from people standing online at the supermarket it's true um so I think sometimes we have to act on impulse. The enigma is sometimes we want to be reserved, we want to be um in a certain you know propriety and there's restraint. Sometimes we you know we're we're told as children don't act out, don't yell out, be quiet, don't make waves and and we sometimes encourage that unless they have a very active classroom uh environment that allows for that kind of engagement. So in some i'm saying that wherever we go there's that duality of wanting to engage and being cautious and being you know uh a little bit um with our our antenna up but ultimately the one may be right near us and the one comment that we make to that person could lead to a great referral for a doctor it could lead to um a coffee date it could lead to your greatest business connection it could lead to the greatest happiness you've ever known so we have to follow our hearts and say all right there's an enigma here there's a little bit of contradiction and maybe a little discomfort but i'm going to get out of my comfort zone and i'm going to find the joy and maybe again maybe find the one That is such a, a great call to action Amy because it's all about being uncomfortable. We're getting comfortable with the uncomfortable and it's kind of like for many people it doesn't sound like for you like you're just you talked to the strangers you're okay with it. I'm the same way like I just was at my dermatologist last week and met a friend and I exchanged numbers with her and we had a coffee date that kind of thing. But like yeah, sometimes there's people that just you can just kind of tell they don't want to talk or they don't want to engage, they feel weird about it or you'll start talking to them in line at a like the pharmacy and they won't talk much back and then there's somebody else like two people up that's willing to engage. So I think it's like right it goes back to people are very cautious of that and that's because you know what was ingrained when we were when we were children like don't talk to strangers but I really like that idea that you shared with us the one because I think that kind of changes the perspective and doesn't make it as daunting because you never know and that incites more curiosity like is that person going to be the one and then in my mind it becomes a game 
like finding the one. It's like a little board game, like where everywhere I go, like who's the one? <laughs> like what are, what are your thoughts on that, Debbie? I wanna I wanna hear your answer to the question, but I also want to hear what your thoughts are in relation to what Amy just said. Well, I think that we all we all are the one. And we have to be willing to see that the other one is sitting next to us, as Amy says, because we can't get through this life solely. We need other people to be involved in our lives to share with us. I don't want to do it alone by myself and alone. And that doesn't mean they have to be your partner or anything like that. It's just we need a community. And I think COVID taught us this. I think that when we all had to be isolated and live at home within our just small little surrounding, it was really hard. We're not we're not born and we're not supposed to be isolated. We are supposed to be a community of a lot of people. And so I think that, you know, understanding that you're one and the person sitting next to you is one. And that's when we become a two and a three and a four. And that's when we grow, which goes into our garden here and growing it is that, you know, we need a huge community of people. We need to be all working together. This world is not put together for us to just be one solely by ourselves. Yes. It's a great point. I, I like how the one became a two and a three and a four. <laughs> yeah. And now we're counting. <laughs> Does that go back to? So, Debbie, let's talk a little bit about, do you, do you have an answer to the question, the, the enigma question, or any other comments on that? I do. And this I'm going to take this in a whole different direction. So I'm going to ask you, have you ever been in a conversation and it seems like you and the other person are having totally different conversations? Yes. And they're the... <laughs> They're the most comical conversations. But anyway, go ahead. I want to hear what you have to say about it. Well, that's what I'm going to say is that, you know, um, you're sitting in a conversation, whether it's with one person or it's three or four people. And maybe you came into the conversation from the beginning or you walked in, but you seem lost. So what do you do with that? I think the important part is to be curiouser and curiouser and ask questions. Don't just sit back and just listen and be lost. And I think if you've ever been in one of these conversations in a group, you can kind of tell when someone's lost. And if they're lost and not following correctly, you might just come up with a very engaging question and ask them. So, you know, it could even be something as crazy as, what do you think of the color red? Just to redirect them and bring them back into the conversation so that, you know, oh, I just broke up the cycle of you're lost and now we're going to re-engage you in this conversation. I think engagement is really important in everything we do if we're trying to grow. And allowing ourselves to be open to new things. And it's okay to be lost in a conversation and raise your hand and say, I, I'm totally lost here, folks. Can you please help me? Um, and it's okay. So, you know, I want to make sure that people understand that just because a conversation may seem difficult or you don't understand it, raise your hand, ask questions, get involved, because that's how you grow. Yes. And I like some of Amy's comments with the one like that could be a good segue into like changing the conversation like have you ever heard about the one because then somebody's going to perk up and be like well, what do you mean exactly. <laughs> so for, for me i was thinking of another analogy which is picture your dialogue garden as this whimsical treasure hunt and the reason why i'm saying this is because recently i was in the pharmacy line and I know I referred to the pharmacy earlier. It sounds like I might visit the pharmacy often. That is not the case. But in the pharmacy line, there was what 
what I considered to be this comedic misadventure, it unfolded right before my eyes because my husband had surgery and they refused to give him more pain medication because like now with the opioid crisis and all that kind of stuff, they only give out a little bit, but this was like post-surgery and they, he, he needed more. It wasn't going well. So the pharmacist was citing the wrong drug name and it was causing like all this chaos, but amidst the chaos, there's all these people lying. Like I was inside the pharmacy, these conversations sparked with others that were having like other people that were having similar issues with like getting the right drugs. Like they were, there was all kinds of issues and it turned this weight that we had into this shared experience of laughter and camaraderie. We, we even started to, to sprinkle a bit of mystery into our words. We were transforming each sentence into a clue waiting to be discovered. And really it was kind of like planning these tiny riddles that bloom into moments of ha and shared smiles but I think the secret in all of, the, all of this was that if you keep your enigmas light and playful, you nudge curiosity like this mischievous garden sprite, right? And then these conversations then become not just exchanges, but they can become thrilling quests where everyone's a detective. And that's what happened. Everyone in this pharmacy became a detective trying to figure out each other's like what we were going through. And then the dialogue was like a page turner. It was like reading a book. It was I was at the pharmacy, which I wouldn't normally think was fun, but this became fun. Like, I don't know. I want to go visit the pharmacy again to see what other kind of chaos I can get into. But if you scatter those conversational breadcrumbs and you let this joyous hunt for delightful clues begin, that's really how you can turn that enigma into, it's basically inciting your curiosity. So, yes. Any other thoughts about the enigma before we move on to... Our fifth and final segment, which is the most important one, because it's we're talking about echoing the transformation, and that's what we want to have happen. We want to transform our listeners in ways that makes them better every day, in ways that creates more connection for them. So I want to start with you, Amy, because I want to talk about, can you share with us the secrets of joy that then weave a tapestry of transformation where every interaction becomes a petal in the ever-evolving flower of connection. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the thing is that there is no alchemy or magic wand or actually um, a one-size-fits-all solution to experiencing the most wonderful joy um so there are no secrets but the reality is that it's in our everyday behavior it's in all the things that we've been talking about here it's in the simplest gestures we've used the words engaging noticing empathy the person sitting next to you in your daily environment whatever that scenario might be so when I say there's, there's no secret, it's just the knowing in your heart that you do have the power to be the one for someone else. I like how Debbie brought that out. You know, in seeking the one, we have to know we are the one. We're the one for ourselves. We are the one for somebody else. And we can be one to somebody's whole world in ways that we don't even imagine. 
It could be because they look up to us because we have a college education. And to them, that's a miracle. And they're so inspired by us. It could be because we, as all three of us on the panel, overcame some kind of life-threatening challenge in our health. So whatever the reason, it might be they love our hair color, <laughs> or whatever the reason is that draws somebody to us, there's, there's a joy in that. The problem is we keep it secret when we need to laugh and get it all out into the environment. So I've come up with this idea, and it happened during the pandemic, Your Life Matters, YLM. What mm -hmm. about creating a, a journal of celebration and gratitude so that it's not a secret, but the joy is out there by my saying, for example, to Debbie, writing Debbie a letter telling her why her life matters to me and what impact she's made on my life. And in maybe the two and a half short years that we know each other, meeting online, she was the person sitting next to me, as was Lisa, in a course we were taking. <laughs> so we were virtually next to each other. <laughs> you know, th this amazing miracle has developed into a lifelong friendship and a partnership and a radio show and a book and so many things I didn't even imagine two and a half years ago. So the secret is, and I hate to use the word because there's the enigma, I'm saying it's not a secret, but the secret is, if you want to know, it's be open, be yourself, express gratitude to people, find why you're drawn to them, what characteristics do you share, tell them how their life matters. And I guarantee you, in that celebration of them and in that gratitude, you're going to find yourself. Why am I drawn to him? What do we have in common? Is there anything good about him that's in me or in her that's in me? We're going to celebrate. We're going to self-discover. We're going to find a legacy of endless joy. Because when our words, just like our laughter reverberates, and we relive that funny moment the rest of our lives, the laughter will reverberate. Our words will reverberate. And I firmly believe that some uh, uh, timing is, is everything in life. If we send that message and person isn't expecting it, especially with children, why don't we bolster them with little love letters of why their lives matter? How many, how many suicides can we avoid? How much bullying can we deter if someone feels worthy and they don't have to demean someone else? So I've thought a lot about this and it's really, uh, it's a great question and it's a lousy question. <laughs> Because, you know, it, it, it's trying to, it's opening up the fact that we're the secret. And yet, if we take it another way, it could be that why do we think there's some secret or mystique about it when there's really not? So it's a beautiful question. And, um, and I, I'm very attached and emotional and passionate about it. And having been a teacher for over 33 years with high school students, I know that there are so many small joys that came and they came spontaneously. And then some of us, you know, parlayed these silliness things into lifelong friendships. So that's my take on the secret of joy.
I love that. And it made me think of like you were talking about the kids and how can we start kind of start small with creating joy, moments of joy. And I, I recently read Mel Robbins book, the high five club. And then what I started doing with it is not just me. Like I high five myself every morning as one of the things Mel Robbins says to do. I have my daughter doing it. So like, it's me and this five-year-old and we go in the room in the room we're like, well, you're gonna have a great day you're awesome and we both high five ourselves so now it's become a habit for her as well and i've noticed like a change in her confidence from it so i think like these kind of things really help and they kind of set set the tone for going through life and that's a excellent call to action that you're proposing amy so thank you and debbie how about you if if we're talking about my question for you is if you can paint for us the landscape where conversations not only bloom, but they also evolve into a garden of vibrant health, resilience, and lasting transformation, what would you say to that? Well, I think that we each are, are painting a landscape every day by the conversations that we have. And if you think about it from the time we're born, we're having, we're going to go back to kids here. We're having conversations with our kids from the very first time they come out. We start talking to them, laughing with them, engaging with them. And so think about every day when you wake up, this is what I do, is I know I'm going to have amazing conversations today. I start there and know that I'm going to build relationships and, and foster, hopefully, sure. and help people understand how they can take care of their health. Because... When we evolve in a garden, we grow and we expand and we pick out, you know, we look for the, the plants that are the healthiest and the most resilient and that are lasting to form trans, you know, that are transformative. So, you know, we need to be able to spot the ones that are not the healthiest and maybe bring them up and help them, you know, give them the nurture that they need. But this landscape that you're painting every day is yours your voice matters you are important just as much as the person sitting next to you is i think again you need to stay curious you need to understand that this is your health it's no one else's you're the one that lives it and learn to explore new alternatives and new methods i want to go back to what lisa was saying standing in the pharmacy and how that conversation went on and everybody started, you know, wanting to listen in. That's where we are with our health system. People are curious. People need answers. People are looking for information. And they find it in some of the most strange places. Hmm. So, you know, always be curious. <laughs> and always allow yourself to be open to new conversations and new ideas. Because that's when life can happen and health can be transformed. Uh, I would have never been sitting here today having this conversation if I hadn't have been curious about learning how to take care of myself and learning about how you can take care of yourself. And that starts with a, an open dialogue, being able to reach out and have multiple conversations. I learn something new every single day, and I love learning. You need to see learning as your most powerful tool to you like, blossoming into the person that you want to be. Yes. Great point. It is so powerful. And the same, I feel the same like every day, like, what can I learn today? There's always something I'm learning from somebody else or 
I look it up on trying to have a tech problem and find a solution. And then I share it with somebody else that has a similar one. So, so for me, just to wrap up my, my part of this is I thought, how can I illuminate for the audience, the pathways where playfulness transforms dialogues into lively, thriving ecosystems where every interaction is really a step towards a more interconnected world, because that's what we want anyway. So if I think about it like this, if we imagine our conversation garden as this game of tag, who doesn't like to play tag? I mean, maybe not now. I still play with my daughter, but it's not as easy since I can't run as fast. <laughs> if you think about tag, each word is this playful dash and every response is this gleeful tag back. It's not just talk, it's this joyous chase of ideas because really what you're doing is you're weaving them through your imagination. And the teaching point here is that in this game, everyone's it, kind of like everyone's the one. This, this sums it up so beautifully. And the magic lies in the laughter shared during the pursuit. Everyone's it. So let's sprinkle more playfulness into our dialogue. Let's turn each exchange into a leap and let's skip or twirl towards a more vibrant interconnected world. And your call to the action for the audience is really Join the game. Let the words dance and laughter echo, making your conversational garden the most lively, thriving ecosystem of joy. And that goes back to Amy's point. <laughs> so I want to see if there's any comments because, and prior to that, we're talking about closing the blossoms of wisdom because as we bid adieu to our vibrant journey in the blossoming garden of conversation, we let these echoes of our shared insight linger like the fragrance of blooming flowers. If you think about each word, it's a petal. Each laughter, it's a sweet melody. And in our diverse dialogues, we've seen how joy, health, playfulness, and the journey from surviving to thriving can be the potent nutrients that nurture the seeds of transformation. So as you step out into the world, May you carry with you the wisdom of this Blossoming Together episode. May you turn every conversation into a garden where connections flourish, ideas bloom, and the echoes of joy reverberate. And I want to just go to Amy. And one more time, Amy, if you can kind of share with us your key takeaways or your key call to action that you want the audience to walk away with today. What one thing can they do as a result of today's episode. Let's each one of us analyze, go in a quiet place for a little while and analyze the quality of our conversations. And I'm going to repeat this quote because I think it's worth really absorbing. The single biggest problem with communication is the illusion, the illusion that it's taken place. So how deep, meaningful, purposeful, and elevating were your conversations today, yesterday, and what can you do? The enigma is, in a sense, that the people closest to you are the strangers because there's so much about them we don't know, and why don't we not want to know it? So I think it's all up to us. Yes. Stay curious. I love your call to action. How about you, Debbie? What's, what's your one takeaway or call to action? 
definitely stay curious. I want you to take today and no matter who you're having a conversation with, be curious about that person. See if you can find out one new thing about them today. See if there's something that you can learn. Um, You know, I think that we learn from each other. It's just like with text. You know, we text people all the time and it's just two or three words. Let's make it more as, as a game, like Lisa says, and let's engage with that person and see what we can learn today. Maybe how they're feeling today. What's the weather where they are today? Uh, you know, uh, what did you do when you first got up this morning? I mean, I, you know, you can think of a million things that you can ask someone and get to know something about them because we've all been together for over two years now working together. And I was just telling my husband this morning, I know you ladies so much, but there's still so much to uncover and to dig through and learn about you. And that's what makes every conversation we have so exciting and, and more that I want to explore on a, on a weekly, daily basis. <laughs> Thank you, Debbie. And I think for me, I'm going to do start in your backyard. And what, next time you're walking wherever you live, like just say hi to everyone that you see and see what blossoms from there and see, to Amy's point, which one is the one? Is there, is, did you find your one? And then feel free to contact us and let us know on social media. And until we meet again in the Gardens of Dialogue, keep blossoming together. And any final, final takeaways, final thoughts from either Amy or Debbie before we close for today? An inspirational quote, a word of encouragement. We said so much today, but I just wanted to offer that one more time. I would like to say be courageous. I mean, what do you have to lose? It may not be the one right next to you, but it may be the person who connects you to the one. If you, you know, think, we used to think, um, you meet a person at a business networking group and they have a Rolodex. So you're actually meeting everyone potentially on their Rolodex, old fashioned terms. So I'm dating myself when we had Rolodex, but be courageous. And it takes that to be curious, but the rewards are just immeasurable. Yes. So true. Anything from you, Debbie, before we wrap? I just want to tell everybody that you're important and that you matter and that you should always look at everyone with that same lens. Yes, so true. So many great nuggets today. And I want to thank both Amy and Debbie for sharing their wisdom with us. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us today on Echo This. We hope that you enjoyed it. And we hope you walk away with something to echo. Tune in next time for another great episode. Until then, take care and keep echoing. We would love to hear your feedback. So you can contact us at echo number two, Gather, G-E-T-H-E-R on social media. Echo, echo. Echo, echo, echo. Echo, echo. Echo, echo, echo. Echo, echo. Listen in for empowering conversations of hope and opportunity.